0: All right, guys. We have Mr. Ryan Mueller with us today, and uh, I, I'm so pumped about the stories that you're going to be able to tell us today. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. Thanks for
1: having <laughs> me on the show today.
0: Yeah, man, definitely. And we'll get into more of like an introduction here in just a few minutes, but I, I wanted to just pick your brain right out of the gate. Um, what is your preferred power plant if you're helping somebody with their goals? You like NA, turbo,
1: blowers? and why? Well, I mean, honestly, each engine type does have its pros and cons, uh, depending on what that customer's individual goals are. But if I had to pick one, you said, hey, pick one, you can't have them all, what are you gonna say is gonna be the best thing for what you wanna do? If I'm going for all out power, I would have to say it's gonna be a turbo combination. Uh, The benefits of a turbo are gonna be that you, do not have any parasitic loss because it's not crank driven, you know, like a supercharger would be, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not using any, you're using the engine's exhaust to turn it into power, which is a really cool thing because that's just waste otherwise that you're actually turning into a power source. So that's a really good benefit of a turbo. And one of the things for, as far as drag racing, street racing, prep racing, no pricing, no prep, the whole deal, You can ramp in boost. You can ramp out boost, which is a great power management feature, you know, where with a supercharger, you're trying to pull timing out, add timing, you know, to try to manage that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, you have a more evenly dispersed cylinder pressure versus like a supercharger is going to be instant boost. So that's extremely hard on your components because you have a lot more of a shock load, kind of like what you would have with nitrous where it's Mm -hmm. instantaneous so that's a lot more load immediately versus you know dispersing it as a gradual effect that you would have with the turbo right and uh uh, last but not least the reason the turbo takes the cake would be you're not putting any pressure on that crank snout uh (laughs) you know (laughs) ripping up on that crank snout uh can cause bearing load failures it can also uh, flex the crank or possibly break off the snout on the crank which party's over once that happens uh
0: yeah you have nothing powering anything at that point yeah <laughs> there's no turning of any belts or anything then <laughs> you got it that's awesome so i i think i'm definitely along the same route as you are. I really like the uh you know quote-unquote efficiency of a turbo setup and the other side of that too is like you know you want to you buy a blower, you want to upgrade blowers, you got to buy another blower. A lot of times, you know, it's, you can eat oh, yeah. that, but uh, you know, turbo stuff, you can six, $800,000 more money, pull the old one off, put the new one on, you know, and I know there's expensive turbos too, but you know, us in my world, it's I uh, <laughs> I don't spend that much money on turbos. So oh, yeah, let's talk, let's go way back before Mueller performance. Let's talk about like a, like 11 year old Ryan. Is he a is
1: he a car guy? Oh yeah, absolutely basically from the time that I could walk, talk, smell hear, I've loved engines. I've always been intrigued with mechanical things in general, even you know with how they mm-hmm. work and how you can make them perform better so you know, but yeah, loving engine sounds and stuff like that. Even, you know, like on bicycles and stuff like that, we were putting Coke cans on the tire to make it sound like a motor, you know. <laughs> my uh,
0: my kids found that out the other day. So they rode the entire street with uh, one had a Coke can and one had, a, well, it was a Miller light
1: can, and one had a, a plastic <laughs> bottle. <laughs> so one of them was running on alcohol is what you're saying. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs>
0: So was there, you know, typically if people are in, um, if they're, you know, enthusiasts early on that, uh, that generally means there's a family member or somebody that kind of influenced your hobby. Was there anybody like that for you?
1: Yeah, I'd have to give my dad a hundred percent credit on that. Uh, he's definitely the one that got me interested in automotive ho- hobbies. He, uh, mm-hmm. he had a 72 Oldsmobile Cutlass. Oh yeah. And, It had a 350 in it originally, but he pulled that out and he put a 455 cubic inch Oldsmobile motor in it with the Lunati solid flat tappet cam and port and polish the heads, uh, shave down the pedestals to convert it to a, you know, a roller rocker with stud mount Mm -hmm. so he'd have adjustability and whatnot and open up the pushrod holes so he could run bigger push rods, port match the, uh intake and the headers you know and that's Man, you where they had matching stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely so you know msd ignition holly double pumper, b&m transmission but you know around really around that same time that i was that age is when he had that car and he would take me for rides and uh, go to the drag strip on weekends stuff like that and the saddest thing about that whole deal is that uh holly carburetor would leak which you know, that happens sometimes, <laughs> yep. but, uh, the, the work light, I guess he's thinking maybe he left the work light on back when that happened, but the work light fell down, broke, started a fire oh. and burned the whole car down. So he had a lot of money in that car between the paint job and everything else. Cause it was, you know, full frame off resto mod kind of deal, but it was, a, it was a beautiful piece. Really Dang. enjoyed it growing up. That's wild, man.
0: So is that the one like he talks about that car all the time, oh man that that olds I had or did he oh yeah,
1: <laughs> else after that, <laughs> yeah, I always ask him if he's ever going to do another car, he's like, man, I just don't think I could do it, you know i I got that taste of my mouth what happened went wrong you know he's just i just couldn't couldn't get another one you know
0: (laughs) that's rough oh i can't imagine he loves
1: talking about it he does like to talk about what all he did on it for sure (laughs) now
0: is he is he local to you you guys get to hang out about he's
1: actually uh he he just retired farming he's out at uh stanford out by abilene is where he lives at oh cool lived there his whole life that's forty, forty 40 miles north of uh Stanford is 40 miles north of Abilene. That's where I grew up at.
0: That's that's one of my questions, too, is have you always kind of been – because you're like uh, Fort Worth, right?
1: Uh, Actually, I'm about two hours northeast of Dallas is where I'm at. It's in Paris, Texas.
0: Oh, okay. I was putting you in completely the wrong area. I was thinking uh, Paris was like just north of um, Dallas, but it's not just north.
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> We've got an Eiffel Tower, even too. <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. Well, I mean, if a city's name's Paris, you got to, right? And I think that's part of the mix.
1: Oh yeah, it's not quite as big as theirs, but <laughs> hey, it's a funny, enough. funny deal. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, let's talk. so
0: car guy growing up. What what did you get to learn to drive in?
1: Actually, I learned how to drive one of the you know more challenging things growing up versus. You know the kids nowadays. All they all they can drive is automatics. If you gave mm-hmm. them a standard transmission, they wouldn't know what to do. So, right. the truck that I learned on is called the Great White, is what I always called it, and it was a uh, 84 Chevy Cheyenne three quarter ton single cab long bed with the four speed manual in it, four ten gears, four wheel drive. You know, big uh, BF Goodrich tires on it. And that's awesome. Just a cool probably truck. The, but that's what probably I the easiest drive. thing
0: to learn to learn to operate a clutch on because the torque of that you just basically just roll off the clutch and it just takes off <laughs> just oh yeah oh very fast but it takes off
1: <laughs> yeah it had a four barrel on it so it sounded really cool when you roll into it in a low gear too kind of that whoop you know so <laughs> yep. that's awesome
0: so what was your first car was that your first car then like did you drive that every day actually
1: uh that was a truck that we used on the farm a lot we used it to pull cotton trailers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i was pulling trailers at a pretty young age but my first truck was actually a 85 chevy uh silverado square bed square body uh Mm -hmm. single cab short wide bed uh it originally had a 305 that had a lot of miles so we took Mm -hmm. that out and put a 350 in it with the performer intake and 650 carb and man i love that truck i'd like to have it back it was a Right. Really clean ride. But a lot of good uh, times had in that truck.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, living there, I mean, obviously it sounds like, uh, maybe your first job, which is a question I ask everybody, uh, was probably on
1: the farm. <laughs> you Absolutely. Spent... You guessed it. <laughs> so yeah. driving tractors, hoeing cotton, hauling hay, all that kind of stuff, which is mm-hmm. a good way to come up. I mean, it, you learn a lot of, uh, a lot of morals and hard work characteristics coming up in an upbringing like that. It makes you appreciate things for sure. Uh, I I did
0: that for about a month and a half one summer with my stepdad who uh, was cotton and soybeans. And I was like, I've had enough of that. That's enough for me. So I went to work at Kroger at the grocery (laughs) store in town. (laughs) I didn't like working before school and after, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that ain't no lie. (laughs) Mm, Man, because those guys will put in, you know, 80, 100 hour weeks, you know, when they're working, they're working for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I remember my friends going and doing stuff and I wanted to go, but dad's like, oh no, we ain't done yet. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hang on, it, it's not too dark to see yet. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: That's funny. So, uh, before you open the shop, because I mean, I, at, this, at this point, that's probably why a lot of folks know you, you know, as performance
1: stuff but what did
0: you do before you opened the the Mueller performance?
1: Well, I've had a a lot of jobs throughout the years, you know, when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're younger, you kind of have that ambition to try to just really succeed and make money, you know, before you kind of figure out who you are even, you know, but uh, the big notable career thing that I did in the past was in the mortgage industry. And, uh, I worked my way up in that and actually built up to where I had my own business with 30 loan officers. And then of course you saw the news back when that industry tanked. So you don't have to Uh, guess (laughs) what happened there. (laughs) Oh yeah. And that's, uh, you know, whenever that, that kind of went down, I tried a few other things, but just really wasn't in it. So I finally thought, you know what? I don't care if I make a ton of money. I just want to do something that I actually have a passion for, for once. So, I finally was talking to a guy that worked at a wholesale engine parts place. And, you know, I'm like, can you can you make a decent living doing that? He's like, oh, yeah, because I just thought, you know, it's like $10 an hour AutoZone O'Reilly's and that's mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, well, I mean, I, I want to make a little bit of money to just live comfortably. And right. that guy was making a decent living. So I said, why not? I'll give it a shot. And, man, I've never looked back ever since I did that.
0: That's awesome. So you were like performance parts. Uh, I'm in. I like car stuff. This works for me. I'm I'm down that road. Yes, sir. That's awesome. So, all right. Before we really dig deep, though, all right. Married? Got any kids? You got to juggle all that family
1: stuff. I I am married to an awesome wife. Uh, we we haven't been married the entire time we've been together, but we've been together yeah. about fifteen, sixteen years, and. Dang. I mean, I got to give her a lot of credit because I wouldn't be anywhere close to who I am as a person or where I'm at uh, career-wise without her. She's been my rock through the good times and the bad, and always That's supported cool. me in my endeavors.
0: Yeah, mine just looks at me sideways about half the time. She's like, "Whatever." If you, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> she's like, "Don't put us in the situation," but I'm, I'm behind you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. <yep. laughs> So, well, let me ask you this. So let's, let's dig into Mueller performance a little bit. Was it started as a part-time business or were you like you worked for the other place and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I want to start this.
1: Yeah, actually I'd been in the industry for around 10 years. You know, Mm -hmm. I've built up a lot of other businesses. I've built up other businesses, names, kind of put them on the map, you know, Mm -hmm. with the service and the knowledge that I had. And, I wanted to start Mueller performance really about five years into that trend, you know, and finally just decided, uh, you know, kept thinking, Oh man, I need to wait till the right time, wait till the right time. And finally I said, you know what, the right time's never going to come. It's going to be now or never. (laughs) So I just, you know, wanted to show people how I can, you know, help them achieve their goals and give them a positive experience.
0: That's awesome. So you went right in, you're like, Hey, Current job. Thanks. Appreciate it. Boom. Mueller performance is a thing. How, how do you,
1: what did that feel like? Like, Well, in the beginning, it it was a, a combination of scared (laughs) and, you know, just really excited at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a, a lot of work to do in a short period of time, you know, with, I had a ton of vendor relationships, but mm-hmm. it's still a huge undertaking to go through all the applications, the requirements, the buy-ins, you know, it's a serious commitment to get all that set up and even just setting up a business in general, yeah. there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. Yeah. You
0: definitely don't decide one day, Hey, I just want to do this. And then you're like, you're doing it the next. It's a, it's a whole process. So where can people find you? Like, I know you you have a website that's great, it's very easy to use. Um, so if you want to give us like the website and then like uh, your Facebook and Instagram and YouTube handles and all that kind of stuff, and uh, people can jot those down real quick. They'll also be down in the show notes uh, with direct links to them
1: too, but figure we okay. can come. Yes, sir. So the website is mullerpart.com So www.mullerpark.com dot com. There's no S on it. Somebody already had that domain name. So that was mm-hmm. that, but I'm always adding things to that website with the free time that I have, which is not very often, but I try to put stuff on there as I think of it as we go kind of deal. And uh, Instagram working on getting a bigger presence on that. I, I do a lot of stuff on Facebook, but Instagram, I'm trying to give some more attention and that is at Mueller parts. That does have an S on it. Yeah. and then uh the web or the uh facebook page is mueller performance simple there real easy to find and definitely give us a like and a follow we're always putting cool builds customers testimonials customers you know passes at the drag strip where they're getting new personal best things like that i like to celebrate any and all victories for guys or just mm-hmm. even if they're having fun with it i like to share it and then uh phone number. You can call us anytime on the shop phone. It's uh 903-209-3287. And then of course I've got the old trustee email, which is Ryan R Y a N at dot That's again with no S mullerpart.com Cool.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. So everybody write all that down uh, again, they will be in the show notes just so you can, you can go in there and contact him. So, um, I see a ton of uh, your setups, you know, cause you don't, it's not just engines, it's trans and I mean, you've heads and cams and all this kind of stuff. So um, and converters and every, you, you offer basically a whole setup. So I see a lot of your decals and people tagging you in drag car stuff. Is that um, so drag car? stuff is that kind of like, like that was your sport so that's what you followed that's you know wh- were you a, like a drag racer and then you kind of morphed into you know let's do a business let's help these people build their cars
1: well i'm definitely into drag racing for sure i mean anything where you can put as much power as possible to the ground and sling it down to the other end of the track as fast as possible <laughs> i love you know so that's definitely uh definitely you know one of my favorite things i mean I don't have a uh, a drag race car myself, you know, or anything like that. But I do have a a truck that I tinker with. It's a two thousand Z seventy one with a four hundred eight LS in it. That's got some LS three heads, eleven and a half to one compression, a four L swap, four fifty six gears, thirty five inch mud tires. So if people see it, Retail. it kind of looks like a a lifted truck you know and all that Mm -hmm. but it makes 600 horsepower so it catches people off guard
0: (laughs) that's awesome that's and really like uh, that's one of my questions is what you feel like is a is a good street car number but uh we'll get to that here in just a second so um gotcha what so you got the truck have you built anything for yourself before that was drag car related you know what i mean
1: Uh, No drag race cars for myself. It just, it seems like since since I've been in the industry, I've been almost too busy to have a hobby of my own because I'm kind of supporting the other guys and living (laughs) through them, you know? But I mean, it is like having your own car out there when you've got a customer that you see them make a killer pass and you were a part of it. That Mm -hmm. is very rewarding.
0: Well, and, and that actually leads us right into the next thing here. It's like, how important are goals? Okay when someone calls you, like, um, and here's how I have it worded. What are items on the quote unquote goal list that you want to know, like that you, Ryan Mueller, want to know?
1: Well, I think goals are extremely important uh, to make sure that a customer is getting the right combo and to make sure that they're satisfied with their purchase. And that also ensures that it'll be a reliable setup for the foreseeable future so they don't spend more time in their garage than they do on the street or at the drag strip, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but uh, every build that I do is tailored to each specific customer versus cookie cutter engines that are out there that are kind of pawned off on a customer, you know, just to make a sale. There's a lot of companies that'll do that. Hey, we got this sitting here. Here you go. You know, which, you know, if, if you really just want something over versus a specific goal, then, you don't have at it. Sometimes that's the way to go. But uh the the goals that I like to hear are what kind of racing do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Is there a specific power number that you want to reach? Is there a specific time that you wanna run, like in the eighth or the quarter mile? Is this thing, you know, are we street racing, are we weekend warrior, are we, you know, drag racing? What kind of racing is it? You know, those kind of things are very critical in getting the right setup because your camshaft is going to be different for your power band. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're helping somebody select a converter and whatnot, they're going to want something different for each setup gears, uh, dry sump versus wet sump. I mean, those are all critical things that you have to know goals.
0: And you know, it's funny. I think, uh, I think we have been spoiled with, Facebook and the internet and YouTube and 1320 video. Um everybody needs to make a thousand horsepower now. You know? Oh, I need to make a thousand. Yeah. Like, dude, do you know like a thousand horsepower is a bunch. You know? Absolutely. Now, a lot of times, like for folks first building stuff, like the old truck I have. I mean, it's a you know, two hundred and ten thousand mile four eight, seventy-eight millimeter turbo. I mean, like it's the you know there's probably a thousand or ten thousand of these builds out there, you know, um but for me, like we went in with the goal of I wanna do rolling burnouts and it drive well enough that I could take my kids and get ice cream like that that was our entire goal, so um I've hey, got a real yeah. Good friend yeah, I got a real good friend that works at Comp cams, and I called him, and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm gonna do this is this is it, and what's funny is I've probably put i don't know. 400 500 miles on the truck something like that since i've had it uh right now it's the turbo's been on for a year but it took us a long time to get tuning right um because of my fault not anybody else's my fault so uh (laughs) but you can drive like i would turn my wife loose in that truck you know like she can get in and go and drive around and what's funny to me like so many people i feel like reach for you know the number goal, like our goal for that truck was 600 wheel because I wanted to make that, you know, like that was our, I was like, I want 600 wheel, I want rolling burnouts I want ice cream. But like, that's what is going to like, that's what we're going to get is burnouts and ice cream. That's the main thing. So, Oh yeah. Got your priorities in line. <laughs> well, and you know, I think a lot of times people will call and they'll, uh, or like, we'll be talking, I'll be talking to them at a meet or something like that. And they're like, oh man, I want to, I want to go, I want to be faster than so-and-so or I want to do this. I'm like, yeah, but how are you going to get there? Like, what suspension pieces are you going to do? You know, like over five or 600 wheel horsepower. If you actually want to like make traction, like you're upgrading drive shafts and axles and all that got tires, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because the 240 horsepower you have in the truck now, it has – it burns the tires off, you know,
1: so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of that that people don't realize. They, When they say, I want to outrun this guy, they don't know everything that goes into the combo. So, you know, you put right. them an engine – like what will outrun that guy and then they're not even thinking about the turbos, the fuel system, (laughs) the suspension, the transmission, the rear end, all those things like you're talking about, they got to be able to handle that power too. So it's a, it's not a flip a switch and it's done overnight kind of deal. Oh, for sure. sure.
0: So I, I name dropped these two guys when I reached out to you. Uh, But I want to talk about the conversation you had with uh, Chris Harper about the Warhawk. Um, when he you know started escalating that car to where it's at now obviously like how does that conversation go when he calls you and goes hey high fours isn't
1: fast enough anymore <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> you know well I uh I had dealt with Chris in the past you know I'd spec a camshaft he had a pro-charged Corvette you know that I dealt with him in the past on so When it came time to kind of take this Warhawk to the next level, he reached out to me. And uh, the thing that uh, I like the most about Chris is he understands engines for one. I mean, he's, he's very savvy when it comes to the engine setups. He's got Harper performance where he does installs and helps people out with their setups, of course. And uh, he's also the kind of guy that would rather spend a little bit more to do it right versus taking shortcuts and trying to do more with, with less than what should be used, you know? So that's, I mean, he's really a a great guy to work with on that because he'll say, what is the right way to do this versus what is the cheapest way that I can possibly do this? Yep. And uh, you know, Chris and Jonathan, those are awesome guys. Uh, I'm lucky to call them a a customer and also a friend, you know, and I can't ask for a better couple of guys to, run my motor and also my sticker on their car. Cause those are some sweet rides for sure.
0: Yeah. And I'm excited. So uh, a guy here in town that runs a body shop called old school sheet metal repair. I've had him on the podcast and I'm going to be doing another one with him like end of next week, I think. And he's been working on Jonathan's car, uh, getting some, all the sheet metal work done and getting ready to paint it. So uh, and then sometime early next week, I'm going to run up to Chris's shop and sit with him and Jonathan again and, and get some updates on all their projects and what they got going on in the shop and all that kind of stuff. So, so great. Oh yeah. Yep. So what all parts do you offer as Mueller performance? What else, what else available through you?
1: Uh, Like on the engine side to kind of throw a few of the big brand names that I carry, you know, that I sell on a really constant basis would be like, Brodix blocks and heads, uh Dart blocks, uh CP Carrillo pistons. Um, also sell a ton of Holly engine management systems because mm. you know you, you gotta be able to manage that power efficiently or it's yep. gonna cost you a lot of money in the long run. And then yep. uh you've got aeromotive and waterman for the fueling system, uh used transmissions and converters. So, basically, I've got 68 vendors direct, so I can wow. supply the majority of what you need for a race car.
0: That's crazy. So, how do you decide when to add a, a manufacturer or a, a vendor?
1: Like well, the, First and foremost would be the quality that that vendor is putting out. I mean, that's rule number one for me. Everything that I sell has to be a quality product. And then after that, I base it off of demand. You know, what are my customers mm-hmm. looking for, or what what do we need to make it work properly for them? You know, mm-hmm. and then third, of course, is availability. If they can supply the product, because you can have the best product in the world, but if you can't supply it, then <laughs> if
0: you can't it buy it, it might not store. exist. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, oh, yeah, uh, obviously, I've you know dug through and I've seen some short and long block setups. You have a long block that is rated to 2,000 horsepower. Dude, that's insane. That's insanity. Like, tell us about that thing.
1: Well, that's a that's a really nice piece, you know, and this is, mm-hmm. you know, these numbers are based off real-world experience. They're not, hey, you know, we're gonna tell you it's rated for this and we'll see if it works. This is real-life setups that we've had out there on a constant basis Man. so we basically know what works with it. But that's a uh, Dart SHP Pro Block. Uh, so that comes with main studs already in it. Uh, it's got billet splayed main caps on it, priority main oiling. And of course, last but not least, the six bolt setup. So you've got clamping mm-hmm. force of your heads to keep from lifting them, which is a problem on four bolt LS is when you get up there in power. Yeah. Uh, got half inch head studs, those CP Carrillo pistons I was telling you about with gas nitride stainless steel top rings. Uh, the gas nitride doesn't burn off. Old plasma mm-hmm. molly stuff that they used to do, that just burns off anytime you get any heat on it so it doesn't last mm-hmm. and doesn't protect the ring. And then uh, 230 wall wrist pins, of course, you got to have a good thick wrist pin to handle that load. Uh, Oliver Speedway rods in it, that's a you know American-made rod that's been around about as long as any of them. And there's a lot of companies that you can tell by looking at their design copied Oliver, but Oliver's one of the original tried and trues mm-hmm. that knows how to make a connecting rod uh one of the newer things is that dart eight counterweight crank you know that's created a lot of buzz over the last few years but it's the only ls crank that has eight full-size counterweights there's a lot of eight counterweight cranks out there now but this one has eight full-size counterweights because the block is made to clear those full-size counterweights you cannot put that in an ls without doing extensive clearancing basically you know then uh on the cylinder head side of things, we got the BR-113 cathedral ports, like what we have on Harper's car. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually got with my good friends at Brodex to develop that. I said, hey, there's a a dire need for cathedrals. I know you guys hadn't ever got around to making them in the past, you know, so let's get together and make something that'll handle a lot of boost. And, you know, we did the chamber design where it forces the the pressure down versus out. There's a lot of heads that they sweep real far out on the chamber, So, that tends to push out head gaskets. Well, this head is really good to combat against that. And then on something this high end, I do upgraded copper seats. So, you have better heat transfer from the valve to the head because you got coolant running through, or water rather, Mm -hmm. running through the head. So, that's dissipating that heat. So, that's number one and making your valves last. And then, of course, you got to have titanium on the intake to keep it lightweight but also be the strongest valve possible and then incanel on the exhaust to handle the highest amount of of heat possible you know wow that's cool you talked over my head so (laughs) (laughs) hey man all I can do to help you know I try to educate every single customer that I talk to in that same way so they're not like well hey this is you know $17,000 that's great, but what am I getting you know yeah so I, explain, I feel like, I feel like you're that, that
0: sounds inexpensive you know, now I know there's a ton of other parts that they're gonna buy because of, to get to that, but like I feel like that's that's a pretty solid setup for that kind of money,
1: absolutely. I try to be pretty competitive on that, you know mm-hmm. i don't I'm not the kind of guy that's gonna you know make my monthly living off of one customer. I try to <laughs> there you go. Give people a competitive price so they have a great experience. And instead of me spending a ton of money on marketing, Mm -hmm. they're going to go refer people to me. And there is no marketing you can buy that is as good as a referral.
0: Well, and a sticker on the back of somebody that's whipping people across the country.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That always helps. Absolutely.
0: So, all right. Absolutely. So, so since my mind is expanded uh, with all the stuff you were just talking about. Let's, let's get just a little more technical and then I've probably got to get to where I'm wrapping it up pretty quick. I've got to get back to work Oof. Something with his day job. So, uh, how does runner length affect the overall performance of an engine? Like, uh, you know, cause we see low and high Ram, Holly intakes and all that kind of stuff. Like help me understand and everybody listening, like how that would, uh, how runner length will affect that.
1: All right. Well, first, you know, the length of the runner kind of depends on the desired result of the application. I would say Mm -hmm. I personally am a big fan of the longer runners that'll produce more low to mid range torque, but you also have to consider the sizing of that runner when it comes to the links, because if it is a large runner, then a larger runner is actually going to make the torque move up in the power band in the same way that a short runner would. But, Short runners, they will move the torque up in the RPM range. You know, your peak torque is going to be way higher mm-hmm. on it. Not going to make more necessarily, but it's going to be moved higher on it. But in some cases, it can make more top-end horsepower due to the direct approach of the runner, you know. Gotcha. So that helps out. And then, uh, so it depends on, you know, your setup as far as what kind of weight, what kind of max RPM, even what kind of cubic inch, you know, if you've got a little 5'3", and, you know, you try to put a, a intake that's made for higher higher PM horsepower and torque. It's not going to behave as well as a longer yeah. runner that's going to help you out in that torque department. So, yeah, so most of so the time, just, I'd, I'd rather have a properly sized long runner. You know, as long as the right. clearance permits. So,
0: so what you're saying is like the Holly High Ram on a all stock five three looks super cool, but uh, it's probably going to hurt you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then uh, how about this? So, you know, everybody like all the LT stuff is uh, a direct injection and all that kind of like, what's your, um, how, am I, how I don't even know how to ask this question. So I'm going to just kind of word it in uh, carb terms, right? So carburetors up top, uh, fuel comes down. What's, what is injector placement like How does that affect performance? Or, I mean, you'll compare direct injection to like port injection in an intake.
1: Gotcha. So direct injection is definitely more efficient in the atomization process because you're putting it right there on top of that piston. So you're taking advantage of every single drop of fuel that you're putting in there. So you can Mm. get away with a little bit higher compression before you run into detonation. But the issue is most of the direct injected platforms do not have a ton of support in the aftermarket Mm -hmm. so making that port style you know if you're doing a uh just a regular port like a traditional ls injection then it's going to be a lot more cost effective way to go there's tons of support for it so i mean there's plenty of uh you know combos out there that are just Mm -hmm. direct port versus direct injected that are working efficiently thanks to systems like a holly dominator where you can tune to compensate for any shortcomings that you deal with, you know, right. But, uh, like a direct injection on a, the new LT motors, that's a 2000 PSI line pressure. So that's extremely hard to support versus a 58 PSI. So you end up adding a second port injection, you know? Yeah. So, Wow. I mean, aside uh, from a Cummins diesel pump, you know, Cummins, <laughs> they support a lot of rail pressure, but yep. you've got a big old pump running. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was so. say, we, my brother's
0: got a, a, a 2011 Ram and he's done all dual pumps and all, whatever all that stuff is. I don't know. I don't know stuff about diesel stuff. Um, all right. Well, first I want to say thank you for taking the time to, to go through this with us. I've got four more questions that I ask everybody. And then I think we'll probably wrap it up, if that works for you. All righty. Sounds uh, like a plan. So what is the fastest you've ever driven? Or ridden, I guess.
1: Uh, fastest I've ever been, I believe, was about 178 miles per hour. Whew. What was
0: that in? That sounds fun. A
1: C a C6 Corvette. And my buddy <laughs> riding with me was saying, slow down, slow down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And then uh, when you're working on, uh, you know, a car, engine, whatever, um, are you a gloves or bare hands kind of guy?
1: Bare hands. You got to have the feel. got to be feel. able to
0: touch and feel. stuff. So if that makes sense to me. All right. Now let's, let's flip it. Let's say you're working on something that's old and ratty and you need to bust a uh, bolt loose. Are you a WD-40 or PB blaster kind of guy? PB blaster for sure. Man, that's awesome. So I, I will say you're about ninety five percent with everyone else. Everybody else grabs that. So I, I'm going to reach out to them in the next couple podcasts and ask if I can get one of those guys on to tell us a little bit about it. And then yeah, that'd be cool. The the last one here. What is if you had an unlimited budget? Maybe you're not even writing a check. What is what is your dream car?
1: Man, it's kind of funny. A lot of people either love or hate C3 Corvettes, but uh, (laughs) like a 68 C3 Corvette, uh, twin turbo LS, which is, you know, it's not a crazy dream car. It's something that could become a reality down the road for me, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of it. Something that I can drive on the street and take to the drag strip. It's not a trailer queen, but it definitely gets people's attention when it makes a lick, you know? So that's,
0: well, and I love the long nose of that car. Oh, I, yeah. That's the, the – feel i I'm with you. I think that car is a great – that's a that's a great car. And especially, like, uh, I feel like that car is going to be the one that um, moves higher and higher and higher. So, when it does come time for you to buy, it will be super
1: expensive, which will be – Right. Yeah, they are <laughs> going up I'm going to take all the time. Cut it up. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you could get them for five grand a dime a dozen, and now they want, you know – 10 to 15 for one that needs a lot of work. So it's oh, already yeah.
0: going up. Yep. That's for sure. Well, Hey, again, I really appreciate you sitting with us. Um, I definitely want to have you on, I feel like these first round of podcasts with folks, uh, lets everybody get the everybody get to know you and then we can dig deep on the next one. And, uh, maybe as you, I don't know, as the end of the season, maybe we can go over like a season recap of some of your, uh, folks that, that race some of your stuff. So does Absolutely.
1: All right. All right. Yes, sir. That'd be great. I appreciate you having me on the show. Hey, man. Thanks a bunch. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You have a great day.
0: All right, man. Thank you.